lot of stories that's buried in the, there's an awful lot of truth in the stories that we share with other people. Oftentimes that truth is buried deep beneath the words that we weave together. You know, it takes a lot of time to sit and listen to the words beneath the words for us to understand the truth that someone else is trying to share with us through their stories. Sometimes those stories that people share, they come from a place of joy and so much joy or hope. And other times, the stories that we share with others, they come from a place of deep grief or pain or hardship. Sometimes they're very personal stories, like I shared up here about the time after my wife got sick when my kids were little babies. And uh, these are a personal story. And yet sometimes even our personal stories are connected out to a wider shared experience of humanity, of who we are. Grief is not something that's shared by one person alone. We all experience grief. There can be an awful lot of truth that's buried in the stories that we tell. Our faith is alive today because it's sustained by the ever-present inspiration of the Holy Spirit through the Word, through Scripture, through our shared stories of faith. And these stories, they stretch back all the way to the beginning. They both tell stories from our Jewish brothers and sisters in faith, but also from those who walked the same path, who breathed the same air that Jesus did, who got to see Him do all of these amazing things. But our story is also full of people like you and I, People who have had this story handed on to us and from them generation after generation. And it's not just about a story. It's a story of faith that's inspired by the Spirit. It's alive. Our faith is alive through the Spirit because it's full of the truth. The reading from 2 Peter today. Uh, do, you guys, do you have the bulletins in front of you still? Can you turn to the 2 Peter reading today? This is a pretty special reading. Second Peter only shows up two times in the three-year lectionary. Two moments. This is one of them today. Can you read with me just the first uh, part of verse 16 right up to that comma? Let's read that together. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We didn't follow cleverly devised what? Myths. It would be really easy to just put faith in the same category as myth. Why? Because a lot of times myths can't be proven. Legend, a lot of time have an element of truth. But how do we get there? Faith is not about myth. Faith, our story of faith, is truth. Right? Our faith is alive today because of this very truth. Because these are people in our past that have had brushes up against an experience of the holy and people who have tried their best to craft a story about that to pass along a truth to us. Our faith is a real living and breathing thing that helps us understand who God is and who Jesus is and what God expects from us. There is truth in our story of faith. And for us, there's the rub. Why? In our time, truth usually means something very different than it did to the people who lived these stories out, who passed them on. Why? Because to us, truth is verifiable, something you can see, something you can touch, something you can prove, right? But truth 
can be so much more than just this. These stories that form the foundation of our faith are also full of truth, but not necessarily in the way that we understand it. Stories that aren't easily proven. Truth is something that's much bigger than simple fact. This is what rests at the heart of this reading from 2 Peter today. I want you to walk with me now as we uh, get to be an eyewitness to what is a very personal conversation between a leader in the faith who knows he's about to die and the people who he is serving. And maybe you've experienced something like what this letter is in your own life. Maybe you've been in a situation where you've had a loved one who you know is going to die and they prepared something for the family after that time had come. Sometimes it's full of instructions, detailed lists about who gets what, how to divide up the property, how to divide up the, the holdings, all of the responsibilities. What do they call that thing usually that we hand on? A will. Anybody have a will in here? Yeah, good. Okay? That's about the details that we have to deal with on the loss of someone, if we have a chance to have that ready. But oftentimes, there's this other accompanying letter that goes with a will. Usually we call it a last will and what? Testament. We don't always have these with people, but a testament is a very different thing. A testament is a chance for a person to tell their loved ones and their friends a story about what is most important in their life. Maybe it contains truths that they weren't able to share when they were alive because it was too hard to do it. Or maybe they had a chance to be honest about something that just hurt too much while they were alive. Or maybe these are well-worn things that this person has said their whole entire life and they just want you to remember it one last time. Truths that we end up taking from those testaments become a part of the tapestry of how we tell the story about our loved one or our friend after they're gone. We don't always have a chance to have a written testament, but chances are a lot of us, when we've been brushed up against someone that we love so dearly, we know who they are. We know those things they hold special. But this testament, it's a looking forward document. The person writing it knows that they're going to be dead by the time that it's read. It's all about looking forward to provide something for people after they're gone. And that's what Second Peter is. I was heading there, by the way. This letter, 2 Peter, is a testament. It's a testament to a group of people that this leader loved. Why? The author is doing his best to outline for these people the basics of faith while he's alive so that when he's gone, they're going to remember what's most important. Remember the truth. And you know what? While you can go through Scripture and find detailed lists of all the things that you're supposed to do, all the shoulds and should nots and all the rules you're supposed to follow, right? That kind of, you can see Scripture as a little bit of a will as well. This letter isn't like that at all. A testament in, contains important advice from this leader about how to live into some really difficult times. How are you going to be faithful when it gets difficult? How are you going to be faithful when we have apostasy? That's false teachings about who Jesus is. How are you going to be faithful when life is so tough that you backslide in the faith? These things are still very present in our lives today. But this leader wanted them to know this is how you do it. Remember the truth. Remember the truth. Which is why I think this reading accompanies the gospel reading today. You know that gospel reading where Jesus takes his three best friends, his favorite disciples, takes them up the mountain and... There's this transfiguration moment, this revealing of God's grace, 
here, this identification that this guy right here, Jesus, is my son, the beloved, in whom I'm well pleased. Jesus shining in all of this majesty and glory in this one moment. Because up until this point, people followed him because they thought he was the guy, but they really didn't know who he was. They asked the questions, who could this be? Is this a prophet? Is this a healer? Is this a teacher? Who is this guy? Is he the Messiah? And at that very moment, to a very few people, God revealed exactly who Jesus was. Jesus is God's living grace. And through these very few people who literally brushed up against the holiness of God in that moment, God did and is still spreading this truth about who he is in the world, even till today. Every time we share the story of faith, every time we gather together at the cross, every time we gather together and worship, the Spirit is present here enlivening our faith, reminding us who we are. And like any good teacher or any good pastor, once you say something one time, Sometimes you have to keep saying it over and over again because some people like a, a, a former teacher and a pastor, we just like talking, right? And so like any good teacher will do, they want to reinforce this teaching, and so he writes it down in a letter to them. And, and why is it so important for them to keep hearing the basics of faith, these truths about who Jesus is over and over? Well, instead of giving you my words, I'd like to offer the words of Mark Allen Powell, who's a theologian, a Lutheran theologian, to help us see why it's so important for us to understand this basic about who Jesus is. Here's what he says. It's been many generations since the Christ event, and many people don't believe that the Lord is coming again. Yet, in spite of all of this, the author of this letter tells us to hold on to God's precious and very great promises, even as we wait. Growing in faith by practicing goodness, knowledge, self-control, endurance, godliness, mutual affection, and love. These are the ways that we lean into our faith. Treasure God's Word revealed in Scripture. Wait with faith and hope because Christ is certainly coming again. Wait with hope. It is the directive of faith. Do we know when Christ is coming again? No. Are we certain that he is? Yes. Wait with hope. The thing is, the people that read this letter, they knew all this stuff. They knew it. But these truths about who God is and who Jesus is, all of it revealed in that glorious moment on the mountain, all of it was there to remind us about God's grace in Christ. It started with a little tiny spark literally to three of Jesus' disciples. And that little tiny spark ignited the flames of the Spirit which brought us to this place today, thousands of years later. And the spark that we continue to care for and steward here, that spark of faith, that work of the Spirit, will continue to bring people into God's love here in this community and beyond. And that happens through the stories that we tell, the stories about our lives, the stories about our congregation, the stories about the lives of those who have gone before us. These are stories about God's steadfast faithfulness through all of it. As a pastor, walking with people through what is some of the greatest joys in life and also some of the most devastating and heartbreaking hardships, 
your stories bless me. Right? I'm blessed by these stories. I'm blessed by the ways that God has spoken through the people who have showed up with you, the ways that you tell me how people have pulled alongside you in those times of great joy and celebrated with you, and also the witness of those people who came and sat by your side and who cried with you when your words and when their words failed. This is the way that our stories bear the weight of God's grace in the world. And with each story of someone's encounter with that holy, I've been forever changed as a person. Those stories, even the ones that hurt to tell, they're full of truth. They're full of God's steadfast love and faithfulness. They're full of God's grace. And God's grace is the story behind all of our stories. It's the way that we express God's love in our lives. And just as it happened years ago with those few witnesses up on the mountaintops, who literally became living witnesses of God's grace. When you tell your stories of faith to others and you live out your faith in your daily lives, you too are God's living witnesses, living testaments to His grace in the world. And I am so thankful for the stories that you've shared with me and for the way that God continues to work His Spirit in and through you. Continue to share your stories And continue to have joy in the ways that God promises to be with us through all of it. Amen.